the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. When you and I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, if you've done so, and I hope that you have, if you haven't accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, you can do that today. This is going to be your moment to do it. But if you've accepted Christ into your life, you understand that God has a plan for you, a purpose for your life. And the purpose of God for your life is very clearly defined by Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, when he said these words to us. He said, the thief, that's the devil, that is we one that we live under before we come to faith in Christ. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That phrase, more abundantly, is an important phrase. Not just abundant, but a more abundant life. That God made you for more than just an average life. God made you for more, a life of abundance. Not just from the realm of of material things, because you can have a lot of material things and still be poor. What you need is a rich life in your soul, a rich life in your spirit, and an abundant life. And for us to experience this abundant life that Jesus offers, there are things that we must do. It doesn't just automatically happen. There are things that you and I choose to do or fail to choose to do that results in us experiencing this to a lesser or fuller degree. And so we've been talking about some of those decisions that we make, the choices that go along with experiencing the more life. And one of those choices is the choice, I will overcome. Why is that important? Because there's no way that you and I will step into all that God has for us unless we choose to be an overcomer. This word overcome is found all through the pages of Scripture, and it wraps up very powerfully in the book of Revelation where we're called to be overcomers. You can't overcome unless there's something to overcome. So overcomers have to overcome some things, and so that involves an engagement in fight. And to fight or to fight a battle or to win a war, you have to have the right weapons. You cannot fight and win if you don't have the right artillery and the right strategy. So I'm going to talk to you today about two things that will help you to have the right weapons, if you will, the right tools so that you can engage the fight that you need to fight to overcome those things that you need to overcome in your life. Number one is that spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons. This is the first principle I want to share with you today. Anytime you want to win a fight, you have to have greater power or greater ability than the enemy you're facing. You can't win unless you can overpower. And so we need power that overpowers. That's the concept. You can't win a battle if you don't in some way conquer with power that which is coming against you. Jesus Christ is the only one who can break the power of strongholds in your life. He's the only one that can do it. 
I love the passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, that describes for us this, this whole idea of what Jesus came to do in reference to overcoming strongholds in us. Notice the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, Since the children, that's you and me, we're God's children, have flesh and blood, of course we live in human bodies, He too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity. That's the story of Christmas, the story of the incarnation, the story of the Word becoming flesh and living among us. Jesus took on humanity. God came to earth. That He shared in their humanity so that by His death He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. Notice that Jesus came to break the power of Him who holds the power of death. Who can break the power of Him that holds the power of death in your life? Only Jesus can. He's the one that does this for us. You and I must understand that spiritual battles can only be won with spiritual weapons. It can only happen through the one who is greater working his work and his power in and through us. Now, as he, Jesus has done that work for us, we cooperate by utilizing certain weapons. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Listen to these words. For though we live in the world, you've got an address here somewhere, right? You live in the world. I hope all of us are living in the world right now, okay? We're, we actually have an address. We live somewhere. If you're living in the clouds, we need to help you out, okay? But we live in the world, okay? For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power, okay, to demolish, what's that next word? Strongholds. We've been talking about in this series, breaking strongholds, overcoming. And so we have weapons that we fight with that are not of this world, but they have divine power that is God-enabled power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so in this, there's so many things we could talk about. We see that the primary battleground for all of us is in our minds, and that we have to learn how to conquer these thoughts and take them captive, but God has given us divine power to do this, that we have weapons in our warfare, artillery that we carry with us spiritually that can demolish these things in life. Paul talks about the spiritual weapons that we have to win spiritual battles as well in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse number 13. Listen to what he said, therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that is when you're under attack, when you're under spiritual attack, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. And then the next verse says, stand firm then. So three times in just a very short segment of scripture there, you will find the word stand. So God's will for your life is to help you to stand through the evil days, stand through the attacks that come, overcome them, conquer them, move forward from your wilderness to your promised land. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
just want to draw your attention to the fact that God has given you spiritual weapons to conquer spiritual battles. You don't fight spiritual battles with human weapons. You fight spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. Now, what are these spiritual weapons? I'm going to share with you seven of the most common biblical spiritual weapons that you have in your artillery as a Christian that you must learn to use if you're going to be an overcomer. So let's dive into these together. Number one is scripture. You have to learn scripture and learn how to utilize scripture. God's word is powerful. It's tremendously powerful. God's word is a creative force. The world in which we live was created by the word of God. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Every time God spoke, something came into existence. So we must understand that the Word of God has power. There's power in God's Word. That's why you need to know God's Word. You need to obey God's Word. You need to proclaim and declare God's Word because there is power in the Word of God. Jesus himself demonstrated this to us when he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan after his baptism. And Satan comes to him on three separate occasions there in that situation with three specific kinds of temptations. And in every circumstance, every temptation that Jesus faced, his response was, it is written. He quoted a particular verse of scripture back to the adversary. Why? Because first of all, he knew the scripture and he knew how to apply it and he knew how to use it. It was his soul of the Spirit. And that's why you and I need to get very familiar with our Bibles and know how to use them against the enemy because the Word of God is true and the Word of God always attacks the lies of darkness. So when you know the truth, you utilize that against the adversary and through that truth you find freedom. That's why knowing the Word of God is so valuable, so powerful. That's why it's valuable to read your Bible on a consistent basis, to get into some kind of devotional plan in your life, to be a part of church, to Bible studies, life groups, things that will help you get the Word of God inside of you because that is one of your weapons. If you don't know Scripture, then you will be ill-equipped for battles when they come your way. Number two is prayer. You've got to learn how to pray. I'm talking about what I would call passionate and persistent prayer. When I say passionate prayer, I'm not talking about your emotions. A lot of people think that passionate prayer is emotional prayer. It could or could not be emotional. It may be emotional at times. There have been times that I've prayed and cried my eyeballs out and times that I've prayed and not felt a single thing. Which prayer was better? It doesn't matter what you feel, okay? Your feelings are not associated with the effectiveness of your prayer. Your prayer, your seriousness or your passion is what's related to how serious are you when you pray. And how fervent are you in your prayer? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So there's fervency, there's passion, and there's also persistence. And so we learn to pray in a way perhaps we've never prayed before. And so maybe there's something in your life right now that is holding you back. You have to pray your way through to breakthroughs in your life. And it might not come in two or three prayers. It may not come in a one-week prayer or two-week prayer. You may have to pray for three months or six months, or you may have to pray for a year. You might have to pray for two years for a breakthrough to come. But I will tell you this, if you'll pray, breakthroughs will come. So you know the Word of God and you utilize prayer. The Bible says that we're to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So there's an intercession. Number three is praise, praising God, learning to be a praiser. 
Now you say, these things, I know these things. Well, let me remind you of them again. Praise is powerful. Praise is when we magnify God, we move beyond an an attention to our problem, and we begin to look to the God who is the solution for our problem, and we magnify Him, and we verbalize either in words or song how great and awesome He is. It takes our attention off of what's troubling us to the God who is able to heal and restore and break through for us. And I will tell you what praise will do. It always works this way. Praise always attracts the presence of God. And when when the presence of God is in your midst, there will always be the power of God. And I told you before, you need power that is beyond human capacity to break strongholds. And so praise attracts the presence of God, which helps release the power of God. Number four is fasting. There are times that you and I need to be serious enough about moving forward in our life that we we say, God, I'm going to lay some things aside for a period of time so that I can focus my attention in prayer and gaining victory in this particular area. So the Bible says that some things will only come out by prayer and fasting. There are times in your life that you have to be serious enough to take it to that level and, and to do so in a way that you say, I'm going to hold on to this until there is a breakthrough. Number five is fellowship. We need fellowship. Now, that word fellowship, you say, what does that mean? I hear it all the time. Well, fellowship really is just simply being with the people of God. You and I need to be with God's people. There's power in being with God's people. So you, got, you get together with other folks, and you're going somewhere on the journey, and all, everybody's got your oars in the water, and you're working together. And when there's a working together, there's a power that comes when people begin to connect with one another and work together, and it begins to bring healing and restoration and breakthrough in your life. That's why you need to be in the church. The church is valuable. Just being in church is valuable to help breakthrough happen in your life. Just being a part of a church family is so vital to your spiritual journey and your growth and your deliverance. The sixth thing is communion. Communion is one of the weapons that God has given us. I want to talk to you about communion just for a moment because I don't talk about it a whole lot. It's one of those messages that perhaps is a little bit uh, challenging at times to do a whole, whole message on. But I want to talk to you for a little bit about communion today. You know, at communion here, it, the Bible says that we're to do this regularly as believers. And I've got a, one of these little prepackaged communion deals up here, if I can get it out. And we utilize here at our church, we use, utilize a wafer and grape juice, okay? And once a month, that's our custom here as a church, partake, usually at the end of the service, of the bread and the cup. And for many people, they don't know what it is. What's that little cup about? And what's that little piece of bread about? I don't understand that. Let me tell you what it is. This is bread and this is grape juice. What is this? And what is this? Grape juice. Okay. It will always be bread and it will always be grape juice. When you eat it, it's bread. And when you drink it, what is it? It's grape juice. It will always be bread and grape juice, okay? So communion is not some mysterious thing that we do. It's partaking of a piece of bread and drinking a little bit of grape juice. So it's not in the... The power of communion is not in the elements. The power in the communion is in your faith associated with what the, rep, what the elements represent. Jesus said you do this in remembrance of me, okay? So the bread represents to us the body of Jesus Christ, okay? And the body of Jesus, as he went to the cross, substituting his himself in our place on the cross of Calvary. What does that mean? It means that because of our sin, 
We should have died for, paid the price for our own sin, but Jesus took our place for us. So we partake of the bread representing what Christ did, remembering him. And then the cup, what does it represent? The blood of Jesus. So when I eat of the bread, my faith says, I know what Jesus did for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen? Okay. And he took my place, and so I give thanks to him. That's where the word Eucharist comes from. It is the giving of thanks. So I give thanks to Jesus for what he did for me on the cross. When I drink of this cup, the blood represents the cleansing power of Jesus in our lives to forgive us of our sins. And are you glad that your sins have been forgiven? Boy, I sure am. I've had a lot of sins that needed to be forgiven, okay? And so in Jesus, there's the forgiveness of sins. So when I drink this cup, what is it right now? Grape juice. When I drink it, what is it? But what does it represent to me? The blood of Jesus that gives me power over my sins and power over the adversary. So every time you take communion, let it be more than just a ritual that you go through. Let it be an exercising of your faith that we do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the seventh thing that I'll mention here very briefly is spiritual help. That's really being able to connect up with people that can help you in your journey, finding people that can pray together with you about strongholds in your life. The Bible says that uh, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask, it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. That's Matthew 18, 19, and 20. So it's being able to say, I'm going to help team up with people that can help me and I can help them in their journey. Last thing I want to mention to you today is that overcomers, are confident in the supreme overcomer. How do you, how do you gain this ascendancy over, over darkness? How do you gain victory? How do you use your tools? One of the most important elements in a battle is confidence. And the challenge many times in our spiritual journey is because of past experiences, we've lost some of our confidence to fight now and for the future. Sometimes in life, because you've tried to overcome certain things in the past and you haven't been successful... That when you say, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack them again, there's this little voice in your head or perhaps the voice of the enemy in your head telling you, you know what, you tried that before. You weren't successful last time. Do you think you're going to be successful this time? And just plant that little doubt, that little question mark in your mind. And before long, you're robbed of confidence and you don't want to try again because you failed so many times. There are people right now listening to me today that you've had times in your life when you tried to break an addiction and it didn't happen. You tried, but you know what? It failed. Maybe you tried multiple times. It didn't fail. Maybe you've tried to tackle something in your, your character that has been a real issue for you and you've tried in the past to address it and just never have had any success with it. I could go on and on about the different things that lock us down and hold us back. And the enemy would love nothing more than to tell you today, don't even try because you're never going to win. Don't even try. You'll never do this. But I'm here to remind you today that your past in Jesus Christ is not a prophecy for your future. Okay? Right? So important to understand. The devil loves to lock us down and tell us that this is how you're going to always be. You're never going to change. You'll never be any different. But God says with God, there's always a new day with God. Amen? There's always a fresh start with God. There's always a fresh opportunity. And it doesn't matter what the past has been. The issue is, am I willing to fight now? Okay. 
And I want to encourage you to gain some confidence in your life again, to have a renewal of confidence in your life. This is an, I sense it so deeply in my spirit today that I'm imparting to you by the Holy Spirit the flow, a fresh flow of confidence in your life that you can overcome, that you can rise and that you can fight again. Now, there, to fight with confidence, there's some things you need to know. There's some questions that need to be answered. I'm going to answer for you three questions today that will give you confidence. First of all, the question is, what has Jesus done for us? What has God done for us that gives us confidence in the battle now? Let's go to Colossians and see what the Scripture says about what Christ has already done for you and me. Entering into this fullness, that is this more life that Jesus has for us, this abundant life, entering into this fullness is not something you figure out or achieve. It's not something you do on your own. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. He was talking to those who were relying on their Jewish heritage. No, you're already in insiders, not through some secretive initiation rite, but rather through what Christ has already gone through for you, destroying the power of sin. So notice Christ has already gone through something for you, and in doing that, past tense, there was the destroying of the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of, the, out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin, dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven. The slate wiped clean. That old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. He stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority that's over your life at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. That's what Jesus Christ has done for you. I think he deserves uh, some praise right there, don't you? Okay? That's what he did for you, okay? I don't have time to unpack this, but this, this whole passage talks about the victory that Jesus Christ has already won. Jesus is not going to be a winner. Jesus is already a winner. Jesus is not going to be the victor. Jesus is already the victor. Jesus is not going to conquer. He has already conquered. Okay? This is important to understand because it gives us a confidence when we get ready to fight something in our life spiritually, we have the confidence of what Jesus has already accomplished for us. So what should we do then based upon this? Second Chronicles chapter 32, let me give you the context of this. There's a king in Judah by the name of Hezekiah, and he's facing a time when an enemy force from Assyria with a king named Sennacherib who's coming against him and he's wondering what's going to happen and the prophet's encouraging him to trust God. And so in this, we find a principle for us. What do we do to conquer things that are coming against us? Notice the encouragement, the words of instruction. Be strong and... So what do you do based upon what Jesus has done for you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria, the vast army with him, for there's a greater power with us than with him. Anybody want to say hallelujah right there, okay? With him, that's with this enemy force, with that stronghold in your life, with him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to do what for us? Fight our battles. And now notice the next statement. And the people gained, what did they gain? Confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. So Hezekiah is proclaiming this, this 
prophetic statement of God being with them and the people gained confidence and they were able to be strong and courageous. So based upon what Jesus has done, what do you and I do? We're strong and courageous with confidence. Now, when we approach God that way, what does he do? We know what he's done. We know what we do. But now let's see what he will do in response to that. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us then approach as whatever we're going through. Let us then do what? Approach. Let's approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Okay. So here's the open invitation. Okay. So you got to get this. God has opened up an invitation. Now, if you don't approach, you don't get, okay? The getting involves the approaching. The receiving involves the asking. Many times when you just sort of passively sit back, you're not going to press in to get the things that God has in store for you. And so there is an approach that you have to take in your life. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The real remembrance for us, or the point of remembrance for us today, two things. Number one, spiritual battles are won with spiritual weapons. Don't try to fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. And to realize that when you go into battle, there is a supreme overcomer who has already overcome. Your response is to be strong and courageous with confidence. Approach God and continue to approach Him with confidence And the promise is that you will find mercy and grace to help you conquer in your life. It's the choice to say, I will overcome. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word and make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. It is different. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.